0: Nothing better than the presence of God, I'll tell you what. <clears throat> and I just want to thank you, B. It was great. Today's B's first day, or maybe second. second. I guess I wasn't here for your first day, but thank you, B. Bea. B's joined our worship team, and thank you, brother. You're a blessing. So we have a couple of things this morning before I get into the Word, and that is, um, one is that uh, tonight, there's prayer at, the, at Silk City at the coffee shop there, and uh, it's prayer with the other churches in the community, and really excited about that. I love, I love enjoying Jesus with the church body, and I love enjoying Jesus with you guys, but I love enjoying Jesus with all of our other friends, too, from other local churches. It's great. So that's tonight at 6 p.m., and it's going to be really good. And um, then also, uh, on July 22nd, we've got another baptism planned, and, and uh, just excited for what God is doing in some of your lives, and thrilled to be able to celebrate it. And if you have not been baptized yet, then talk to me, we'll get that going, and um, I'm praying that we'll even, between now and July 22nd, have a few fresh ones, so to speak, some folks that are just fresh in their walk with Jesus, and that's always exciting. You know, there's this magic, we have this wrong idea of baptism, we think of baptism as something we have to prepare for and plan for, and we put it off to the someday, but really, biblically speaking, baptism is one of the first steps a person takes in their walk with Jesus. It's not It's not uh, doctorate level, it's freshman level, it's the first step, uh, not the first step, but Let's call that the second step. First step is I trust Jesus as my Savior and as my Lord. Second step, I publicly declare that in baptism. So uh, please, if that's you, if you've been kind of waiting around and waiting for some magical great day, July 22nd is the great day, let me tell you that. So last Sunday morning, we'll turn to the book of Acts. We're going to be in Acts chapter 9 in a second. Last Sunday morning, I think I kicked a bee's nest in the sermon in that we were talking last Sunday about one of the really difficult things in hearing God's voice, and that is that how do I know the difference when God's just telling me something because He's sharing that with me as my friend, and God's telling me something because He wants me to actually do it, and that's difficult sometimes to know because... Friends talk, right? And sometimes friends just share their hearts, share what's on their mind. And I love that about God. I have that kind of relationship with God. He just shares what's on his mind sometimes. But then other times, he's God, and he's actually telling me to do something, and I need to do it, or it's disobedience. And how do I tell the difference between those two things? And we talked about that last Sunday, and, and we came to the conclusion that that one of the ways that I know how to discern that is if what I hear is fitting in with the calling that God's put on my life, well, then I should probably act upon it. I should do something. But if what I'm hearing, it doesn't fit with the calling that God's put on my life, well, then I'm just simply to be sympathetic towards it, encouraging, supportive, right behind it all the way because obviously it's in the heart of God and I'm all for that but maybe I'm not necessarily the one who has to do whatever that is. Makes sense? So that leads us to the question of well how do I know what God's calling is on my life and I've been mulling that around all week long and Again, a lot of this, like a lot of this, we don't have a formula. There's no step one, two, three, now I know, but we can certainly get some principles for how to do that. And so I want to talk about that this morning. How do I hear God's call on my life? So let's talk about that first. Like, Let's understand the concept. What do we mean when we talk about the call of God It's, some, it's a phrase we throw around a lot, but what does it really mean? Well, maybe one way to understand it would be to think about another way that we use the phrase. We say the call of the wild. What do we mean when we talk about the call of the wild? You talk about this instinctive draw towards nature, the call of the wild. We speak about animals having the call of the wild. They've just the wolves out in the woods, kind of thing, the call of the wild. Or for those of us living in suburbia who our greatest idea of suffering is when the Wi-Fi goes down for a half hour, sometimes we get the feeling, we get the call of the wild, and so what do we do? We go camping for the weekend. We're drawn to nature, and we answer the call of the wild. So when we talk about the call of the wild, It's part of what we mean is there's this instinctive thing in us that just, that we love nature. We love the wild. We love the woods. We love the water. We love the ocean. There's something about the stars at night that catch our attention. There's the call of the wild. Would you say that's what that would mean when we talk about the call of the wild? So now let's talk about the call of God. If the call of the wild is this instinctive draw to nature, the call of God is this thing in the depth of my being, this instinctive draw to the one who made me, this instinctive draw to something that's bigger than... What is it about human beings that we're constantly fascinated and drawn to things that are bigger than ourselves? I think it's one of the evidences, actually, of the existence of God is the presence of all of the world religions. I'm not suggesting, you know, I'm not at all a coexist guy, not, not even in the slightest. I'm just simply saying the presence of all of these different belief systems, it indicates that there's something inside the soul of a human being that says I, there's got to be something else. And we're in a search for that as a race, as a human race. Would you agree with that? What is that? That's the call of God. The Bible tells us that he's placed eternity into our hearts, though we can't comprehend it. So that draw to something bigger than ourselves, it's that. That. How do you put words to it? It's huge. The call of God. It's safe to say that every person is called by God. Every human being has that. Every human being. Now, like calls, you can miss it. You ever pick up your cell phone, you have five missed calls. We so a call can be missed even if the call's coming from the God of the universe. You and I could miss it. We can ignore it. Some people do that on purpose. They know it's God. But I'd rather not. We ignore the call of God. And some people are just, just miss it. Because we're busy, distracted, whatever. So just because God is calling doesn't mean we necessarily pick up. So we're getting close. What are we talking about when we talk about the call of God? Listen, your first call, friend, is this. Your first call to God is a call to relationship. That's the first call to God. God calls you first to relationship with himself. Anything else follows is second to that. But the very first call in your life and mine is to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus. He designed you, created you, dreamed of you for that very purpose. So last Sunday, we started looking at the Apostle Paul's life. And we can understand a little bit about the call of God by looking at Paul's example. And like I said earlier, it's not that uh, there's a formula. I can't give you... Step one, step two, step three, here's the call of God on your life. But we can learn from Paul's example and apply some of the stuff to us. And by the way, if you're sitting here and you're saying, well, this doesn't really apply to me because I'm 60 and I don't really need to know what God's call on my life is anymore, you're wrong. We often think that God's call is for young people. And it's true. It's probably the most obvious at that stage of life. A young person graduating from high school Where does God want me to go to college? What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my job? What am I supposed to do with my life? We think that's kind of a young person's question, and it is. It's a great question for young people. But you know what? You never stop asking that question because life has seasons, and your seasons change. And we're always seeking the will of God, the call of God, for every specific season that we enter into into throughout life. So if you're 90, you're still seeking the call of God in your life. So this message applies to every single one of us. I want to know what God's saying and what God's design is for my life. Do you want that too? Are you interested or do you not care? Or do you mind if you wake up someday? Face God on Judgment Day. God says, I called you, and you said, oh, I never got that call. See, that would really bother me greatly. I don't want to miss that call. The God of the universe. I mean, I can miss your call. I love you guys, but I can miss your call once in a while. I don't want to miss God's call. So let's figure that out. So let's learn. How did the apostle, how did this work in the apostle Paul's life? So last Sunday, the story that we looked at was in Acts chapter 9, and, and, then, I, and then in Acts chapter 20, and we, we saw where Paul's friends were telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. God tells you, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem, and where Paul says, well, no, God's telling me to go to Jerusalem, and we said, well, wait a second, who was right? And we discovered they were both right, because Going to Jerusalem and dying for Jesus, we learned last Sunday, was actually the call that God had on Paul's life. And so how did Paul get that call? So what I want to look at this morning is how that developed in his life because there's similarities between how that developed in Paul's life and how God's call in your life and my life gets developed. So it starts in Acts chapter 9. The first thing that we see about the call that God had on Paul's life is that it began right near his conversion, right almost immediately when he gave his heart to Jesus and began to follow Christ. In Acts chapter 9, verse 16, we read, we read this in, about Saul. You know, S- S- Paul was not always Paul. He started off as Saul, for those of you that, that don't know that, and his name was changed later on. So early on, he's Saul. Saul was a Jewish terrorist. There's no other way to say it. He considered, he considered it his life's mission to stamp out Christianity. Christianity. He was vehemently opposed to Jesus and Jesus's followers, and he prided himself in how perfectly he followed Jewish law, and he prided himself in his zeal for trying to stamp out and get and rid the earth of this curse called Jesus and Christianity. That's what Saul was devoted to, and in Acts chapter nine, he's on his way to the city of Damascus to harass, terrorize, kill more Christians. And he encounters Jesus in a profound, life-changing way. And, his, and at the same time that Saul encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus, there's this saint, this guy named Ananias, living in Damascus. And God is also talking to Ananias, And God is telling Ananias, you've got to go get this guy, Saul. Can you imagine being in Ananias' shoes? Some of you you remember Osama bin Laden a few years ago, right? Can you imagine if God says, I I really want you to go lay hands on Osama bin Laden and pray for him. Because I'm doing a work in his life. Can you imagine that being you? That was Ananias' call. God's like, Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on this guy, Saul. Ananias obviously was concerned. Not only that, but look at what Jesus tells Ananias to tell Saul. Acts chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man, referring to Saul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. That's a great message to bring to a guy like Saul. If you really want to get yourself killed, go tell that to a guy like Saul. And yet that's the message that God gave Ananias to give to him. So we see, and of course you and I know what's happening. Meanwhile, as God is giving this message to Ananias, he's getting a hold of Saul And Saul's life is getting rocked. And so when the two come together, it's just an amazing merging, right, of what God's doing in Saul. And Ananias has this message for him. My point is this. At the very beginning of Saul's walk with Jesus, look at his call. God calls him. Hey, Saul, I'm calling you to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles and you're going to suffer for my name. So, right away, in, his, in the beginning of his walk with Jesus, he gets, he gets the, the message that he's supposed to preach for the rest of his life. He gets the audience to whom he's supposed to preach it to the Gentiles. And he gets the means how he's going to preach it. You're going to do it by suffering for my name. Right at the beginning, of his walk with Jesus. You want to know what your call is, what God's call in your life is? I want to encourage you this morning to go back to your conversion. And for some of you, you don't have to go back that far. It's only a few months ago, a few weeks ago. Some of you might need to go back a few decades. Can you remember back to that first moment when you prayed to receive Jesus as your Savior? What was going on in your heart at that point? What were some of the things that God's talking to you about in that moment? Do you remember that way back there? Because that very well could be fitting in with the calling that God has on your life. Just something to consider. If you've not done that yet, maybe later on, go and sit with your journal for a little bit and reflect back on that moment. Who, who was in your life at that time? What were the circumstances that were taking place at that time? What were some of the scripture verses at that time that were really speaking to you? What, the, what was going on at that time? Because that probably will feed into the call that God has on your life. And then the next thing you notice what happened in Saul's life. It was confirmed by circumstances. In Acts chapter 9, same spot. So look at verse uh, verse 19. Saul spent several days with the disciples there in Damascus. So now he's a Christian. And at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. I mean, look at that. He he wasted no time. At once he began to talk about Jesus. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem? Among those who call on his name, they are just flabbergasted that this guy is now talking about Jesus. In verse 22, yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Saul spent his time trying to prove that Jesus wasn't the Messiah, and then he met the Messiah, and then Saul was equally as powerful in proving that Jesus is the Messiah. And after many days, verse 23, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to what? What? Kill him. He's a new Christian. The guy's just getting started. And they already want to kill him. Oh, wait a second, go back. Remember his calling? You're called, Saul, to suffer for my name. And then we're going to confirm that with some circumstances like these guys want to kill you right away. And that sets off a series of events in his life that, never, that doesn't end. It doesn't let up in his life, does it? Those of you that know the Bible, you know, it does not let up in Saul's life. He goes, it goes from there to worse. Shipwrecked twice, beaten, left for dead a few times, imprisoned, starved to death. I mean, it's just on and on and on. So God calls him right near his conversion, and then God confirms it with a set of circumstances that says, oh, this is your new life, Saul. Think through your own life. What are the circumstances that God has placed you in? Listen, God never wastes a hurt. Never. Never. And some of us are ashamed by our past. That shame is only holding you back from living out the call that God's put on your life. Because God wants to use those things to bless others. My failures, my mistakes, my hurts, troubles, all of that fits in together and can well become a platform that God can use to be a blessing to many others as a result. The healing that God has given to you, he wants to also give through you. So evaluate that. God confirms the call through your circumstances at times. The, sex, the next one, the, the third one, <clears throat> it was confirmed then by the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Acts chapter 20, verse 23, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. So there is a testimony of God's Spirit in your life that says, this is what I've got. This is what I'm calling you to do, my friend. This is it. So see these things are coming together now? So right away, your conversion, God's speaking to you about something. There's a call. And then that gets confirmed by circumstances, and it's being confirmed all the while through the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart, just confirming, yep, this is it, this is it, this is it. Saul had that over and over. Every city I go to, the Spirit says, hardships are waiting for you, pal. Okay. At least Saul knew what he was walking into, didn't he? Every time. The next one. It was confirmed by his Christian friends. And we saw this last week in our study last week, how in Acts chapter 21, finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days, and through the Spirit, they urged, the, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. That's the, that's the next slide there. There we go. Perfect. Okay. They urged him not to go to Jerusalem. So his Christian friends are telling him what's going on. And we learned that last week, that actually what God was doing is using his friends to confirm what Saul, what Paul already knew. Paul knew he was heading to his death, and his friends were simply confirming that he was heading to his death. And God uses your Christian friends. Friends, there's one thing that's really important when it comes to you discerning what God's call on your life is, and that is the people that God's placed you with. Don't don't ever come to the conclusion that God's calling you to something unless it's been confirmed by your Christian friends. You're not living in a vacuum. In our Western culture, we're very individualistic. We're very me and Jesus against the world, and that's not biblical. God has placed us in community, and our community is meant to work together. And you see me better than I see me. And I need you to, to speak into my life. And you need others. You need me to speak into your life. We need to speak into one another's life to see. One of the, one of the best um, things that a life group can do is to take a few weeks and simply do exactly that. Go around the circle and talk about what do we see God doing in your life? And in your life, and in your life, what are the gifts, what are the talents, what are the abilities that we see in one another? And just begin to affirm each other for what, what God's doing, because God's made each one of us different, and it's beautiful. He's given each one of us different gifts and abilities. And to be able to encourage that in one another. It's one of the things that I think that New River does really well, that you guys do really well as a church, and just encouraging each other in how God has specifically designed and created and one another. And let's champion that. It's, it's beautiful. So Paul's call was confirmed by his Christian friends and notice paul also spent 14 years at least 14 years being discipled one on one by a guy named barnabas he didn't it wasn't it wasn't just right away all of a sudden he goes from he didn't go from zero to the apostle paul overnight it took at least 14 years in his life one on one discipleship under a guy named barnabas you and I need the exact same thing in our Christian lives as well if you want to know what God's call in your life is. And then the next part of God, Paul's call, his call was given to him. It wasn't earned. It wasn't even sought after. And that's interesting. God gave it to him. Look at what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. See this next slide? It says, And of this gospel... I was appointed, this is Paul talking, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. It wasn't something that he asked for. It wasn't something that he went looking for. It wasn't something that he created or he did up. He didn't make it up himself. He was appointed that. He recognized that. Friends, try to wrap your heart around this the God of the universe has also appointed you. Isn't that amazing? He's appointed you, too, to something. It's not what Paul's was, it's, but he's got something for you. I think that's exciting. It's profound. The God of the universe, before time began, dreamed you up. He had you in his mind, and he had, an, he had a specific destiny and a purpose and a plan in mind for you. And then he created you, and he knit you together, the Bible says, in your mother's womb. Psalms 139, he knit you together, stitch by stitch by stitch by stitch. He put you together with a specific, he goes, I'm going to put this talent in there. Let's work, th- let's put this one in there. Let's, and he's, he's putting it all in you. And he's excited and he's eager to see it come to fruit. He's been waiting for you since before he created the world. He's appointed you. It's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing concept. You're not an accident. And it's amazing to think that somehow God takes all of the junk that you've been through... And the junk you've been through, it doesn't mess up what he created you for. And he'll just somehow take it and use it and throw it in there and make it work. It's mind-blowing. It's what Romans chapter 8 says, And all things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. We often confuse that verse because we think, oh, everything. We think that verse means that everything turns out good. No, 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 no. Hear the verse God makes all things work together for the good, those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, he takes all of that stuff and somehow makes it fit into the purpose to which he's called you. And he makes it work, and it's awesome. He never wastes a bit of it. So, Paul, God called him, God appointed him, and God's done the same thing for you and me. The next one is this, and this is huge. Paul's call was not his vocation. We often confuse it, and we should not ever do that. Your call might be your vocation, your vocation might be your call, but not necessarily. And, matter of fact, it's probably safe to say, that for most people, your vocation is not your call. Paul's vocation was he made tents. Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18, verse 3, you see the scripture? And because he, that's Paul, was a tent maker, as they were, he says, he stayed with them and worked with them. So they had a little business together, stitching tents together, selling them, repairing tents. That was Paul's work. And there's a lot of other, there's several other times in Scripture, I've mentioned a few of them there, where the same thing is kind of referenced, where Paul made tents for a living. Paul never, he, being an apostle wasn't his job. He was, it was like he got paid as an apostle. There, it wasn't, that wasn't his job, it, that was his calling, it was his ministry, but it wasn't what he did for a living Paul was a tent maker for a living. So don't confuse your calling with your vocation. Your vocation is a blessing. God has given you that. He's paying the bills with that, feeding your family with that. That's a great thing. Thank the Lord for your vocation. Thank you, Lord, for a good job. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I'm. Fat and sassy, I, I appreciate all the blessings of the Lord and how he's provided for us. My calling could be something different, but I would guarantee you this, your vocation, your vocation may not be your calling, but your calling will definitely be used in your vocation, or God will use your vocation for your calling, let's put it that way, absolutely. Absolutely. Think through that a little bit. And then the last one is this. Paul gave it all he had. He found his calling, and he didn't apologize for his calling, and he gave it everything he had. We read this verse last week. Acts 20, verse 24, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given to me. I'm going to complete this task that Jesus gave to me. I'm going to live this calling if it's the last thing I do. And then I love 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. The Apostle Paul is writing, these are some of his very last words. Timothy was Paul's a young friend of Paul, someone that Paul really loved very much and, and invested in and encouraged in his ministry. And so Paul knows that his time is short as he's writing this. Second Timothy, we believe is his last letter, the last thing that Paul wrote. And he writes it to Timothy. And, and you, see, you can sense it in his words that he knows his death is soon. He knows that his ultimate calling is about to be fulfilled. And he says this to Timothy, I have fought the good fight, Timothy. I fought it. He goes, I finished the race, Timothy. I ran that thing as hard as I could, Timothy. I gave it everything I had. And I have kept the faith, Timothy. Timothy never once wavered, never once gave up, never once. I got beat, I got kicked, I got shipwrecked, I got left for dead twice. I'm about to get my head chopped off, and I never gave up, Timothy. I stuck to the calling that God put on my life and never wavered once from it. Wow. May you and I say the same thing. I thank God God. I'm pretty sure he hasn't called me the same way that he did Paul. That's that's a tough calling. What do you think? Anybody here want to sign up for that one? <laughs> yeah, right. Friends, can I just I'll tell you, here's here's the one of the problems that I have faced in my whole life with when it comes to this. I've not wanted my calling Has that been your problem? I know it has been mine. I want somebody else's calling. I want that calling that says I'm a best-selling author. I'm I'm just being real with you. That's the calling I want. And I'm the headline conference speaker. That's the one. That's me. That's my calling. You know, and yet, if I were to apply this, I can apply this to my own life, I know what my calling is, and this morning as I'm praying through this, I'm repenting of of dismissing the calling that God's placed on my life, but I can, let me let me apply this to myself as a means of example. I grew up in a Christian home. My mom says I prayed to receive Jesus when I was five. I don't remember that, but I believe her. I do remember at age 10, I raised my hand at a vacation Bible school to receive Jesus as my savior, and I talked to the pastor after, after class that day, and uh, Pastor Neumeyer led me to Jesus that day. I remember praying that, but again, you know, I mean, what are you gonna change? I was 10. I do remember, though, when I was 15, that challenge to read God's word, and I did, and it was there that Jesus invited me to be his little brother, and that encounter changed my life forever, and it was that encounter that led, I still have a hunger for God's word. I always have. I've never understood, and I'm not judging anybody, but I've just never had that struggle of I just struggle to read the word. I don't. I'm not in the word enough, and that's. I know. I understand people have that struggle. I'm not at all. I'm just telling you, I don't. It was just part of. It's Jesus met me in the word. I've oh, I've had that since I was 15. I have I have other I have other struggles, trust me. That's not one of them. I love I love his word, I love and cherish the idea of being his little brother. And I remember, shortly after, going to church, and um, telling people at church about Jesus being your friend and your big brother. And I remember how I remember the looks on their faces was very encouraging, nobody said, nobody was discouraging, nobody said you're a, a fool, but they just sort of patted me on the head and said, well, that's, that's, that's great, that's so true, that's lovely, and I knew they didn't have the same encounter, I I could see that people had it here, but they just didn't encounter it, and that, that set me on a course, that said, I want to spend the rest of my life helping as many people as possible encounter Jesus Christ in an intimate, personal way as their big brother. I guess I would say that's my calling. And over the years, that's been a consistent theme all through. As I think about it, that really doesn't apply to being a pastor. Like, I could—I was living out that calling before I was a pastor. That wasn't, uh, you know what I mean? So the two aren't necessarily even linked. And they are, thankfully, in a lot of ways, but they don't have to be, as I'm evaluating my own life. And I'm hoping that this is helpful for you as you evaluate yours. Go back to your conversion. Let's, let's look at your call for a second. Go back to your conversion. What was God talking to you about at that point? What was happening? What were the scripture verses that really were speaking to you in that? Second, look at the divine setups, the circumstances that God puts in your life. Because those also are feeding into the call. Third, what Bible verses resonate with your heart? How's the Holy Spirit confirm it? It's it's fascinating to me. That's different for everybody. Have you, have you noticed that in your experience? That some people really get turned on by certain verses and others, you won't. Have you ever shared a Bible verse really excited with somebody and they don't get it the same way that you do? That's okay, that's normal. The Holy What is it about that scripture verse that's resonating in your heart that rings loud? Pay attention probably part of the calling. What are your Christian friends saying? Don't ignore that. What are they saying? What do they see in you? Pay attention. Fifth, remember your call is given. It's not something that you're it's not something you're creating. You're not trying to create it. You're just simply trying to discover it. It's key. It's key. You're not making it up. Sixth, your call does not have to be your vocation. Don't confuse that. It might be, but it doesn't have to be. And then seven, when you've got it, give it all you got. Give it everything you have. Don't apologize for it. Don't turn back. Don't look left or right. Stick with it. And you come to the end of your days, and you say with the Apostle Paul, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. No regrets. Friends, God bless you. I hope this morning that this has stirred up something in you. And if it has, that's great. And uh, I hope that maybe from here we can have a lot of conversations about this. Can we do that? I hope, come on, come on, let's not just fake church. Come on, people. We, come on, let's lock arms and work together to discover this. Because I'm convinced that God has put some, I'm convinced of two things, that God has called every one of you, that's number one, and number two, I'm convinced that some of you have a calling that extends far beyond the reaches of New River Church, and, and it's our privilege to help you be a, to be a part of what it is that God is doing in your life. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Boy, Lord, I... Thank you, God, for the privilege that we have to be your kids. I thank you, God, that you're not one of those dads who has, like, stupid ideas for his kids. Your your ideas aren't unrealistic. Your plans and your purposes for us, they're like perfectly in line with how we're created. I thank you for that, Lord. And Lord, I confess to you that your will is the best thing that could ever happen to me, and that's what I want. I want your will. Your will be done. And Lord, I pray for those of us here this morning. And my guess is, God, that most of us probably wouldn't be able to answer the question of what is your calling on my life? And so, Lord, I pray that as a church, as we enter into this season and of really seeking that, I pray, Lord, that you would grant us wisdom and that you would, Holy Spirit, guide our conversations with one another and that, Lord... Um, well, we just pray. It'd be really, God, it's an exciting time. I'm thrilled to see what you're going to do in my friends. It's just, it's going to be great. The Lord, we submit to you. You lead, we'll follow. And uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's stand and let's sing together as we close. And I want to invite you to the altar if you would like to receive prayer about anything. Your... Um, invited to come. Our prayer team would love to pray with you. Maybe even it's about this. You'd say, I want to know about, you know, the call of God. Come, come forward. Let's pray together and begin that process together right here. Okay. So you, uh, we'll sing and as we sing, you come.